Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Nosebleed Seats. I'm Jordan Anderson. With me, as always, my guy, Marcus Baker. Marcus, how are we doing tonight? I'll tell you what, Jordan, we're doing pretty good. Um, just, for the most part, trying to stay safe. Things are crazy right now, but living well here in a small town southeast Kansas, so hopefully that stays the same. Yeah, you're not the only one trying to stay safe. There's uh, there's thousands out there, you know, with all this stuff going on. Um, you know, just prayers for everybody out there right now because it's definitely a tough time. But I, I do want to talk about football, uh, you know, get away from the somber kind of stuff. But we know it's kind of a drought right now with the offseason going on. It's summertime. Usually summertime is all about contracts and things like that. We do have a little bit of uh, optimism here on our side here at the Nosebleed Seats. We're going to talk about Damian Williams, what we think his role is going to be in week one, if there is a role. We'll break that down here in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about some potential trade-away options for the Chiefs prior to the 2020 season. Guys like Damian Williams might be on that list. And then we're going to break down stat projections for the 2020 rookie class, our projected numbers that we have for him. Obviously, everyone's going to have a different opinion on him, but we're going to go ahead and get started here. Marcus, let's go ahead and talk about Damian Williams. And I know if if our listeners out there listening to our other personal podcast we have, um, they'll know that we're not very big fans of Damian Williams. I'm not saying he's terrible. I'm just saying he's not what we look for in a running back, typically. You can call him a change of pace guy. You can say, yeah, he's been the best running back in the postseason, you know, maybe ever if he gets more chances. But I wish he would just put the same effort in the regular season as he does in the postseason. That's all I'm asking for. That's all I want. But is he going to be the starter of week one, Marcus? In my opinion, no. Um, if it's me and I'm the running backs coach and Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, I think the value that Clyde Edwards-Alaire brings all around and his upside long-term is so intriguing that I don't think you put that on the bench for a guy that has maxed out in the regular season at 111 carries. Last year was his best year, or most uh, productive year as the number one running back, basically. Um, just looking at his statistics last year, he had a career high, like I said, that 111, 111 in carries, but he still didn't even have 500 yards rushing. In my opinion, that's not a starting running back in our system. There's no running back in an Andy Reid system that shouldn't be hovering around that 1,000-yard mark with a few hundred yards in the receiving game as well. The way that the offense is designed, I think there's more talent out there that can do a better job than Damian Williams. And with that being said, I just I don't think he should be the starter week one because I think the potential with our rookie and our younger guys like Darwin Thompson and a guy like Daryl Williams, who I really like as well, I think you get advantage or take advantage of Damian's trade value because he was so dominant in the playoffs and has been the last couple years. If I'm Brett Veach, I move Damian and try to get like a mid round pick, fourth or fifth round pick. I'm I'm content with that. I think we have what we need in the running back room. Now don't get me wrong, having a two headed monster of C E H and Damian would be a great duo to have. But I think at this point, Damian Williams' trade value is never going to be higher than it is right now. So I, if I'm the Chiefs and 
general manager Brett Veach, I get the most value out of him possible in the moment. And see, the only thing I can counter there is on your numbers deal, in the Chiefs offense, I would expect them to almost have either identical rushing and receiving numbers or honestly more receiving yards than they do rushing. Obviously, if we have a monster back there in the backfield, I think we'll be be able to identify that pretty early uh, in the game or even in the season. So I think Edward Hilaire is going to get touches also. But I don't want to say, or I don't want to dog on Damian Williams too much because of his lack of rushing numbers. Now, it is sad over, what, how long has he been there now? Or the starter, three years? I think two. Two okay. Two full years. Well, is it has it even been two? I think it's been three, honestly. Yeah. No, because it 2017, we had Kareem. This will be his third. That's correct. Okay, yeah. so this will be his third. Still, Kareem Hunt had more rushing yards in one season than Damian Williams has had in two. I do think that is a tad bit sad. But going from Alex Smith at quarterback to having Patrick Mahomes at quarterback is obviously a huge difference. Your passing attempts are going to be way up. And Damian Williams does he know he does a lot in the passing game. I'm not going to take that away from him. I just wish he had a second gear to go to other than being a receiving back. You know, when you think of rushing backs, you don't think of Damian Williams. But I, I want to get back to our topic here of will he be the starter of week one? If he's not traded, which we're going to get into a little bit later, if he's not traded, I fully expect him to be the starter of week one, only because of the lack of offseason that we've had so far. Now, do I think Edwards Hilaire is going to be the starter by week four, week five, week six, maybe at the latest? Yes. And I'll, I'll go ahead and break my opinion out there. I think we will trade Damian Williams. I think it's going to be exact similarities from the Carlos Hyde trade last year. And I think it's going. I think it's going to happen. I'm not sure what team would look for him right now. Um, no, I was going to say the Falcons, but they have Todd Gurley. But I think he might serve a backup role. To be honest, I think he's a backup on any other team, other than a roster that's banged up at running back. But that's just my opinion. But I do think Damian Williams will be the starter of Week One. I don't know this. This stat right here says all that needs to be said about Damian Williams as your starting running back. Kareem Hunt, as a rookie in the NFL, rushed for more yards than Damian Williams has in his entire career. Kareem Hunt had 1,327 rushing yards in 2017, and Damian Williams has 1,231 in his entire career. End of story for me. That's not a guy that you can have as your number one back with the potential that we have offensively. If you can plug and play an elite talent, a running back, this offense in Kansas City is literally unstoppable. So having a guy with the potential of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you've got to give him all the touches possible when his competitive uh, matchup is against somebody who can't even really put stable seasons together from a carry standpoint, let alone a production standpoint, excuse me. So... I just I don't see Williams as a viable starter in the regular season. I don't know what it is that causes these issues for him. I don't know if it's a lack of desire to play through injury, if it's just bad luck. But 
he's never been productive consistently in the regular season. You have to have to have somebody now with this current landscape of the playoffs that can make a difference in the regular season, not just the postseason. And I think through a 16-game schedule, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is only going to improve. And I think he's a better running back from a rushing standpoint than Williams. And I think he can get to where he's even or maybe even better as a pass-catching back. So I feel like you've got to get him in there if he's prepared. But your point is valid about not having a proper offseason. That could affect things maybe in the first couple of weeks. But I do expect Clyde Edwards-Alaire to be get, Alaire, excuse me, get a majority of the carries by, say, week five at the latest. Yeah, I agree there as well. I'm not sure. I know he's going to out-touch him. If we keep Damian Williams for the entire season, Edwards Hilaire is most definitely going to out-touch him. We'll get into the numbers a little bit later, what we think is, you know, he's going to produce. But let's go ahead and move on. Um, talk about some of these tradable players that we think uh, could be traded prior to the 2020 season. And while we're talking about it, we might as well mention Damian Williams, who – you know, I said a few minutes ago that I absolutely think is going to get traded. You don't draft a running back in the first round to split carries. That's just my opinion. Um, you know, you're going to have him as your change of pace guy. And he's got the body build to be a bruiser back there and protect Mahomes in passing situations uh, with pass pro and stuff like that. But you don't draft a running back in the first round if you're not going to play him a ton. So I just don't see room for Damian Williams there. I love the way Daryl Williams runs. And, you know, Darwin Thompson still has some things to figure out. We haven't seen uh, anything from the guy we got from the Raiders either. But, you know, hopefully preseason we can see a little bit of what they bring. But I absolutely think we're going to try and find a trade for Damian Williams. What's your take on that, I Mark? Think, I mean, I think honestly – the big question here with the trade situation with Williams is going to be similar to what we saw with Carlos Hyde. Is there a market? That's that's going to be the big question. If there's a market, I think it makes 100% sense to trade him because, like I said, his value will never be higher than it is right now. So get the most out of, you, out of a guy that you can in the moment because, for all we know, down the road, by season's end, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire comes in and has a Kareem Hunt-esque rookie year from a production standpoint, Damian Williams' trade value is completely diminished because at that point, his carries are going to dwindle down to nothing. If we're seeing a high-level efficiency out of Edwards-Alaire, that makes no sense to give carries to Williams, get Clyde out of rhythm. I think you keep him in the game consistently if he's producing early on because the potential for him... I think he has probably lesser breakaway speed than Damian, but I think that's the only thing that's different between the two. I think Clyde can become a better back in every phase of the game with the exception of maybe long speed. I think that's the only limitation he has in his game where Damian, he's had durability issues, he's had efficiency issues, and we talk about this all the time. The guy hip-hops or, or bebops around behind the offensive line more than any I think back tiptoe I've is seen. the term. Tiptoe is the term. Tiptoe, yeah. He, uh, he's the, That's what Mr. I go with anyway. I call him Mr. Side to Side because he runs horizontal just as much as he runs vertical, in my opinion. Oh, for and sure. That's not something he might have one or two good runs a game. 
you know, the Vikings game, he had a big one that he took to the house. Um, that's also the only one I can remember. I know he's had more, but just off the top of my head, I can't remember them. There's not, I mean, there's not a lot. I was looking at his stats. His longest run was, of course, the 91 yard carry last year. And the other ones were like 37, 26, 39. Like he's, that's really the only really long run of his entire career. I feel like this entire episode, we've just, we've just kind of sort of dogged on Damian Williams and I didn't want it to be like that, but that's kind of what it's turned into. But before we doubt, before we dog him anymore, uh, excuse me, go ahead and give me another trade prospect that we could get rid of before the 2020 season. This one I'm actually really intrigued by because it's all going to depend on what what the team values him at. But I think Breland Speaks is a guy that you consider maybe being a piece to move because we have so much depth now that has experience that I think it's going to be hard for Breland Speaks to get on the field. And he's a bit of a tweener, so you're not really sure where you're going to play him. It looks like they tried to put some weight on him. Or he would put some weight on himself. One of the two. <laughs> if they tried, they tried too damn hard. Yeah, he he did not look like he was in NFL football shape. So we'll see what happens. See what he looks like coming into camp. But I think he's a guy that's young that's never really gotten an opportunity. Oh, he's in shape. He's just a sphere circle. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a sphere. Full on <laughs> sphere. But. I don't know. Hopefully he's in better shape, but I'm worried about it with all this time for these guys to sit at home and just eat. I mean, the standard person right now, what people are really worried about at this point because of the quarantine situations, what am I eating next? Like, that's really been a lot of people's agenda. There ain't a lot going on. People are eating, and that's the case for standard people. So I can't imagine what it's like a guy of that size who seems to not have a lot of uh, temptation control from what we've seen in the past. So hopefully I'm wrong and he comes into camp in good shape. And if he does, I think he's a guy that has some trade value. So it just kind of depends on what the coaching staff thinks of him and if they see him as somebody that they could uh, convert into a role here on this defense. If not, I think he's somebody you try to get the most value out of possible. And the older he gets, the less that trade value is going to – or the more the trade value is going to decrease. So why not shop him and see what's available? And it may be nothing, but if there is something with what we have with Tano, I think Taco Charlton may be able to surprise some people and resurrect his career. I I just I don't know what the lane is for Speaks in this defense and where he's going to play, so I'd be okay if we moved him. And you know, I'm going to argue with you there because I do not think moving on from Breland Speaks is a good idea. Because we still have yet to see what kind of potential he has. He honestly hasn't gotten a lot of playing time due to what we had uh, when he got drafted. I mean, he has been hurt. He's had some injuries. He has put on some weight. But I'm hoping, I mean, I haven't heard anything about him since, you know, since all this COVID stuff has happened. So I'm anxious to see what he looks like out at training camp and in the preseason games. Because you know they're going to try to get him reps, get him back into playing form and stuff like that. But he has really not tapped into his potential. He's had some shining moments there, but he's also had some really bad ones. Uh, one of those being the Tom Brady game where he uh, hugged him instead of tackled him. But that's beside the point. I still would like to see what he can do. And 
yeah, I just I don't see a reason why you would want to dump him. It's depth on the defensive line, which with Chris Jones and that current situation going on right now, you don't even know if he's going to show up to camp or play in any of the preseason games. But that's that's a topic for another day. But still, I wouldn't like to get rid of Breland Speaks just because we haven't seen that and the depth aspect. Um, I have nothing against Breland Speaks. I don't want I don't want our listeners to think that we're against any of these guys. You know these prospects that we're talking about trading away, other than Damian Williams, he can get gone. But that's beside the point. I'm I'm curious just as to what's going to happen. I really am. Yeah, and one thing I want to add on the on the speaks front, I know like my take just a second ago may have sounded like I dislike him. I don't. I'm worried about his motivation. I'm worried about his ability to control his weight. But the big thing for me is is does he have a lane to get on the field? That's the only thing I worry about. If he can play, I think when we drafted him in the Sutton system, he was out of position. He wasn't a guy that was built to stand up if you watch his old miss tape a majority of his highlight plays came when he had his hand in the dirt as a 4-3 defensive end well now that we've transitioned we've never really got to see him in the system so if he can get into like a defensive end body and get back into shape and fulfill what he has to from like a physique standpoint to succeed as a 4-3 end i think that's his actual natural fit but it's just going to depend on what he can do physically to put himself in a position to get those reps. But I'm worried for him trying to fight with Tano, um, Charlton, Okafor, and Frank Clark. I don't know if there's a lane for him to even get any snaps. That's the only reason I found him as somebody that was a potential trade option because you compile that with the fact that there's very few guys on this roster that I think have true trade value. Another guy's Dorian O'Daniel. But from what I've seen, I think Matt House, the linebackers coach, really wants to get O'Daniel into the fold, which would be amazing. If he could replace Ben Neiman, or in my opinion, I think Willie Gay should play Will. So if he plays the Will, there's no reason to replace Neiman because he can play on third down as well. But if not, and you can get, if there's a way we can get Dorian O'Daniel and Willie Gay on the field simultaneously with Hitchens in the middle in the pass game on third down, that would make our defense from a pass coverage standpoint, very solid. So I don't know if O'Daniel's another guy that may have a little bit of value, but we didn't put him on this list, but he just kind of popped into my head. But like I said, it'll just depend on what what Speaks is able to do because there's very few guys that have value, so that's why he found himself on the list for me. You know, I'm I'm curious about Dorian O'Daniel as well. I'm, uh, I'm going to bring him up here in just a little bit. But let's go ahead and talk about our third guy just really quick, kind of trying to keep in our time limits here. But Daniel Sorensen is intriguing as well. Dirty Dan, the playoff hero, you know, without him in the playoffs, I don't think we beat the Texans, to be honest. But could he be on the move? I, I think he could be. But like I said, it comes back to the same point that I just brought up. There's not a lot of guys that have trade value. So when we're spitballing and discussing who might have the ability to garner a trade from another team, Sorensen's another guy that just kind of maybe a liability because he did so well, but he doesn't have as much long-term potential as like Armani Watts, per se, in my opinion. 
So, and we would save a little bit of money if we move Sorensen. So if you could move Sorensen for a late pick and Watts develops, and barring Juan Thornhill's healthy, of course, I think Sorensen's somebody that might have some potential trade value as well. That's why he fell on the list for me. All right, well, that gets rid of our trade topics. Let's go ahead. we got our last 10 minutes here. We're just going to go ahead and break these rookie stat projections down, starting with our guys who we think are going to contribute the most. And, Marcus, let's go ahead and uh, get the nail hit in with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think he's going to have a lot more touches than Damian Williams. I'm I'm basing this off of, you know, the assumption that Damian Williams is going to be gone. So go ahead and give me your stat line, what you have for him, and then I'll uh, I'll try to counter back with that, or you know, see if I agree with it. Okay, the big thing for me with this running back controversy, or who's going to be the starter, who's not. You look back to 2017. Uh, Spencer Ware was the starter. Kareem Hunt was the backup. Kareem got an opportunity and got some carries and never looked back. The job was never even available again for Spencer Ware. I personally expect that to happen. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot of uh, durability issues with Williams. I'm worried in those first four weeks or so, if he's starter, maybe he goes down to an injury and we see CEH jump in there and never give the job back. Um, by midseason, I think he has all the carries. I don't think Damian's even a part of the team from what we've discussed from a trade standpoint, but I also don't think he'll be a part of the part of the game plan. So with that being said, I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, at least playing a part in 16 games. I have him getting 220 carries for 1,025 rushing yards and seven touchdowns with 62 receptions, 600 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns as well. Uh, including two fumbles. I just think coming into the league, there's an adjustment to the way you get hit in comparison to college. He did play in the SEC, so it'll be an easier transition than some, but we've been very fortunate with like Kareem Hunt coming in young. He was very solid and not fumbling, but I think it'll happen just a couple times to a guy like that that's young. So I'm going to hit, go ahead and say it's close. But I don't think there's any chance in hell that he has almost 1,700 all-purpose yards. I just don't think the rushing numbers are going to be there. I don't think he's going to be a 1,000-yard rusher. Now, if he is, great. And you can say I told you so. I just don't think he's going to be anywhere near that. He might push 700, in my opinion. But I think he's going to have more receiving touchdowns than he is rushing touchdowns. That's my bold prediction. I would love to be wrong, and I really want to be wrong. But I think he's I think he's going to be the starter, like I said, by week four, five, or six, uh, somewhere around there. Well, you know, I'm kind of being counterproductive here and going against what I said. Say he is a starter from week one, yeah, I expect 1,000 yards. If he is a starter week one, yes, I would completely agree with your stat line. So and see, actually, right. I don't, I don't, I don't argue with that. There, I'll, we'll go ahead and go with that. Um, let's talk about Willie Gay because I think he's going to have an impact from day one. He's going to be day one starter, in my opinion. Um, and honestly, he is my uh, dark horse to lead the team in tackles. So let's hear what you got for him. I don't disagree with that leading the team in tackles. Um, 
I don't know if the numbers I have projected will get in there, but we saw Hitchens, I think, last year was like in the mid or high 80s, and it led the team. There's a lot of improvement to be made at the linebacker position uh, production-wise for the Chiefs. So I have, like you said, Willie Gay Jr. starting from day one, 16 games started, uh, 96 tackles, seven tackles for loss, two sacks, six, uh, six pass deflections, excuse me, two interceptions, two forced fumbles, and zero fumble recoveries. I'm going with the even 100 on tackles, and that's only going to be 14 off from the Chiefs record, uh, which is held by Donnie Edwards, if you didn't know that, which that completely shocked me when I looked up that. But I think this guy is absolutely going to come in and dominate. He's a hard hitter, loves to play football. He's fast as can be. I think he is going to be a headhunter, and I think he's going to make – you're going to hear his name on TV all the time and on the radio all the time. I just that's the expectations I have for this guy because you know everyone downed him because they you know he punched his quarterback or whatever which he he's not going to do that in Kansas City. I'm I'm telling you that now. If he's smart. But I absolutely see this guy being our Derek Johnson for the next 10 years. That's just my bold prediction on him. I like him more than I like any other rookie that we drafted. In this class, to be honest, um, you know, I am excited for the glide, see what he can do, but I really love this Willie Gay Jr. pick, and I think he's going to be an absolute star for us for years to come. But, uh, Marcus, let's go ahead and move on to Lucas Niang. Um, do you think he's going to be a starter day one? Let's go ahead and talk about that for a second. Do you think he's going to be a starter? No, not at all. I think he's the left tackle of the future, honestly. Um, I expect us to move on from Fisher after next year because of the con- uh, contract situation. Um, I think Niang, one year to rehab what he's going through injury-wise. I think it was a knee. One year to rehab, learn the offense, learn the blocking schemes behind two of the better offensive tackles in the game, especially Schwartz. He's, in my opinion, the best right tackle in the game. I do have Niang getting a couple opportunities just based on a projected bump and bruise here and there for Eric Fisher. So I have him uh, logging two games, whether that be just in a replacement for a stinger or something, if Fisher comes out or he may. Hopefully one of those games is the very last game of the season where we're resting our starters, but that's best case scenario. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have him. I don't have him recording any pancake blocks because I don't, I don't think necessarily um, he's going to be a super aggressive guy early on. Because like I said, he's still going to be recovering a little bit from that knee injury that he had back at TCU this last season. And I have him allowing one sack in those two games, which isn't isn't bad. He was a guy, I think, his entire career at TCU, he didn't allow a single sack. So I think if he has to come in and relief, he'll do quite well. I agree with that also. I don't think he's going to get much playing time, like you said, because I think he's going to be learning behind Fisher a lot. And he's... He's a tackle. I don't think he's. there's any chance he's going to play guard. I think he's going to be a strict tackle. And, you know, I would agree with those numbers as well. But let's go ahead and talk about LeJarius Sneed, who I think is going to get more playing time than a lot of people think. Um, you know, whether that be on special teams as a gunner or something like that. Or, you know, he might play a corner role. I know our defensive back coach said today in an interview that he likes all the guys we have in the room right now, all the guys we drafted. And, you know, he was on Brett Veach after last year about getting him some corners. So 
he's excited about all of these guys that could have a potential uh, slot to play in. So I think LeJarius Sneed is absolutely going to get some playing time. I don't think being a defensive back, he's going to have a lot of tackles. I think he's going to have a couple picks, but I have him playing in 13 games with 32 tackles, two picks, and eight passes defensed. How many games did you say you had him in? Sorry, I didn't hear 13. You. 13. 13? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's real close to what I have. Um, I have him playing in 10 games. I think he's a guy, his versatility allows him to play either safety or defensive back, or for corner, sorry, excuse me, um, defensive back in general. He uh, might be somebody that gets in the rotation early on if Juan Thornhill isn't ready by week one, which it's hard to know with the way the offseason is if he will be. I have his stats at 10 games. I actually have quite a few tackles. He was somebody I saw run stop ability and he, a willingness to tackle, but he just needed to work on technique. And we saw last year Spags is very, was very, very good at improving our defense's tackling technique. So I think he's actually going to be a pretty productive tackler. I haven't logged in 27 tackles in 10 games with one interception and six pass deflections. Yeah, so pretty similar numbers there. Let's talk about Michael Dana. I don't think he's going to touch the field, <laughs> to be honest. And that's not a knock on Michael Dana. That's just, it's a hard <laughs> position to break into playing time right now. So I think he's going to get on the practice squad. And, or he could be a healthy scratch, who knows. But I think he's going to play there for at least a year, if not two, until he finally sees some playing time. That sounds mean, and I don't want to say he's a bad player. But these fifth and sixth round guys, unless you're Tyree Kill, you're not going to see playing time. Unless it's on special teams, which, you know, punt returns, stuff like that, you're not going to see a defensive end out there. But do you think Michael Dane is going to play at all? No, I don't. I have him as yeah. a DNP. <laughs> I on didn't my think so. Stat list. I think he's got, it was a reach, in my opinion, in the fifth. But yeah. teams were really pushing him hard, I guess, for undrafted free agency as well as uh, Bo Pete Keys. And I think that's why they were aggressive and picking them maybe as a bit of a reach. But I think Michael Dana does have long-term pass rush upside. So I'm not against the pick. I just don't think he's ready to contribute at the NFL level. All right, so let's move on to Bo Pete Keys. I have 16 games here. And the reason I have 16 games here is because he's going to play special teams. He's going to play kickoff. He might play kick return. He's definitely going to play punt team. Because, you know, the six-round corners, they all play special teams. I think the plan is we're going to play uh, Hamilton, who we got from the Giants, if you remember. I think we're going to play him at corner. And I think Bo Pete is going to be our Hamilton that the Giants used. That's my bull prediction. So I have 16 games, and I have 10 tackles. And if he gets to play at corner, it's going to be the last game of the season in my opinion. I don't necessarily disagree. I didn't take special team snaps into account when I did the statistics, which I should have. That was my mistake. I was looking at it solely from a defensive standpoint. But I think Bo Pete's a guy, he's got all the physical tools to be a contributor in the defense, but the question is, is he ready for that jump? Because where did he play? Tulane? He played at a smaller school. I think he's going to have to adjust to the NFL level. So I had him log in two games as a corner, 
with seven tackles and five pass deflections. Um, I think he's somebody that, like you said, is probably going to be the fifth guy. I mean, you're without a doubt, Traverius, Rashad Breland, Rashad Fenton, and then, like you said, Hamilton. I don't disagree with that projection. I kind of like that idea. And then I think Keys would be the fifth guy. And it could potentially be Legereus Sneed if they view him as a corner opposed to a safety. So I think, like you said, one of the games is going to be hopefully when we're setting our starters as the one seed. And then the other game, I think maybe he just may rotate in because more than likely one of those corners, maybe even two in a game, could get a bump or a bruise here or there where he has to go in in relief. But he showed good ball skills on tape. So that's why I had him with so many pass deflections and such a short amount of playing time is because he was a guy that seemed to have good ball skills and he's got the length to get through a receiver's body and contact the ball. So I think he's got a lot of upside. I'm excited for him in a couple years. I think he could be a number two corner potentially. All right, guys. Well, that about does it for us here on the Nosebleed Seats. I think next episode we might have a 53-man roster projection for you guys. I know we're excited about that. Looking forward to that. Um, also, we have had a name change to our own podcast as well. It's now called the KC Tailgaters Show. Um, it's still on Spotify, still on Anchor, still on all of that. So look that up. Follow us out there on Twitter, at the KC Tailgaters. Marcus, I know you had a couple articles come out. Um, recently one about Willie Gay. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, it posted this evening, or around 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock today. In that, I just do a deep dive into whether I think Willie's going to be the strong side or the weak side linebacker. Uh, so for that projection and kind of my opinion on why he fits one side better than the other, uh, make sure to give that a read. It's it's pretty pretty insightful, I think, and I've gotten some good comments back from it as far as the schematic breakdown of what he does best. So for more on Willie Gay Jr., definitely check that out. And then later in the week, uh, probably some point this weekend, I'm going to be breaking down how many uh, active players I see at the quarterback position as candidates for the Hall of Fame. So be on the lookout for that one as well. All right, guys, for Jordan Anderson, my partner, my buddy, Marcus Baker, this has been the Nosebleed Seats. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.